0: Hey, Mystic Michaela spiritual family, welcome to Know Your Aura with Mystic Michaela. Today we're talking about slumps. Are you in a slump right now? What is that? A time in your life when everything just feels like at a pause, like you're walking through mud, like limbo. Nothing is changing, things are feeling pretty down and out. But first, hey, Scotty. Hey, guys. Remember when we used to sing that song, Sitting Here in Limbo?
1: Yes. <laughs> We do. Very, very, yes. During one of it.
0: our... I think when you're married, you might go through slumps together. And yeah. so we had a slump. And I remember you would sing that all the time. All
1: the time. <laughs> I forgot. I, you know, it's good that I actually got the song out of my head. Oh,
0: sorry. Because if Is it gets bad? back
1: in my head, I'm going to be singing it it's again. A yes, it's a terrible but mantra. a terrible But you would sing it all
0: the time. And it was just know. very well, you applicable.
1: Know, it was just... It's kind of like, you know, we were just in a spot where we were just kind of waiting and waiting and waiting for things to happen. Yeah. And... um. You know, the best way out of limbo is, of course, to just do it yourself.
0: Make your own magic.
1: You make your own magic. So yeah. that's, you know, I, that's what we started to do, and then limbo went away.
0: Yeah, So, but that was a lesson.
1: That was a lesson, yeah.
0: From the slump, which the is slump. we're going to talk about how to do that in your own life. Yeah. But they're unavoidable. They're inevitable. They happen.
1: Yes, and I, and I do want to highlight some people that were in slumps, and you're going to talk about slumps, and then we're going <laughs> to talk about Mr. Michaela's spiritual family members that are right now in slumps. But before we do yeah. that, I want to put this guy in a slump, Ooh. this artist. Oh, so cool. we're, we're starting off really red. Right oh, we're at, starting right off the with a red
0: rant. So an yeah. early red rant.
1: Yeah. So, okay. you know, last night after our discussion groups, we watched, you know, usually on Thursday nights, we watched Schitt's Creek with Bree. Mm-hmm. And then I just happened to mention that I read this article to you about this artist. And you're like, wait, what What are you talking about? And it was, it's so unbelievable. And here is the title of the article. Okay. Artist sells invisible sculpture for $18,000. Wow. Yeah. And I mean, I've, I know I've read Ranted About Artists before. After Disney+, Plus, ranting about artists is my second thing.
0: <laughs> it's your second favorite thing. Yeah, second
1: favorite thing. Like Jackson Pollock, how does like a guy who just throws paint on a canvas make millions of do- I know he passed, but how did he make millions of dollars? Um, but I, I have to get this off my chest about this guy, this guy who created a sculpture that does not exist. Okay, so ready? This is what the article says. When it comes to art, there really aren't any rules. Anything can technically be art as long as it expresses something and there are people who are able to get something out of it. So this guy created a sculpture that doesn't exist.
0: Yeah. So what's... What it? So I'm looking at a picture of it right now.
1: You're looking at nothing,
0: and it's seriously nothing. It's a. No. They took a picture of just an empty wall.
1: Yes, it's a, it's it's a wall. <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: and then they have a light. You know, like how paintings, you put a light on it. To yeah. Sh- show the painting better. Yeah. And there's a light, but there's nothing, nothing there. Yes.
0: It's not even like an enclosed box or anything. It's no. just nothing.
1: It's an invisible sculpture. Like, what do
0: you take home with you after you buy it?
1: Well, yeah. Well, you are. The, the art, okay, so the artist sold for 15,000 euros, which is equivalent to about $18,300. The artist's name is an Italian artist named Salvatore Garou, G-A-R-A-U. Um, and basically, he stands by it. Um, the artist is adamant. He says that while the sculpture doesn't physically exist, that doesn't mean that's, that it's nothing. Instead, he prefers to think of it as a vacuum. Um, I, I don't I don't know. I mean, it's I a mean,
0: concept, but like I just don't know what you put in your trunk when right. you, after you pay money, like what do you well, physically take with you?
1: Yeah, so what I think you do is you walk up to the wall <laughs> right. and then you take your hands <laughs> and you put them in the space. maybe this is <laughs> and then you take it. Out, it's very heavy, very heavy. You might right. need two people. Okay, to get two people, get a big, you know, real early guy to do this I'm with picturing
0: you. two mimes yeah. doing this. This <laughs> is what you, I'm picturing when you describe this. Yes,
1: and you take it and you put it into your, your trunk. You know, make sure you have a big SUV because it's really big. Um, th- I mean, this is what he said. He says, the vacuum is nothing more than a space full of energy. And even if it were empty and there is nothing left, according to Heisenberg's uncertainty principle, that nothing has weight. Therefore, it has energy that is condensed and transformed into particles that is into us. So this guy basically is selling someone this, you know, I I think he's just too lazy to make a sculpture.
0: How long does it take him to make this sculpture? Oh, it
1: takes a long time. Now, I'm going to, I'm not, this was not in the article, but I'm going to say it took him like a few years to make it.
0: Like I can make it too.
1: I made one today. (laughs) I have.
0: I just don't understand. Yeah. Like, why? Okay, so even if the concept, like, fine, maybe it's like a comment on art or whatever, why are you, like, who's paying that much for it?
1: Someone did, and he certifies it too. Like, he gives you a letter of authenticity. Oh, so
0: that's what you're paying for. That
1: he created the sculpture that's there, but you can't see it.
0: You're paying for that certificate.
1: Right. Now, I'm doing that too. So if you go on to com, (laughs) I have seven sculptures up right now. They're, they range in price from I'm a, you know I'm a little more expensive than this guy twenty five thousand to one hundred twenty five thousand uh, and they are for sale.
0: That's his And I took
1: you know it took me a long time to do it and uh, they're there though. Wow! It took me many years, but uh, yeah, he I don't know. Got- I guess it's you know if someone's willing to pay for it, I guess it's, it has value. Is he it's taking like the money? Else.
0: Does it go to a charity? It's no, like- he
1: takes it. And he's living the life. You know, he's in a villa. Has
0: he done this before?
1: He has created other sculptures. Well, you know that are made out of air
0: yeah
1: uh but this is the first time he sold one to oh. some oh really uh, yeah some really intelligent is this
0: his friend you know and I, you it, wonder he could be you it know it what i be like mean because like, it's a great stunt. article yeah. yeah publicity publicity stunt yeah that's well that's worthy of a red rant it sure is every every red person you continue on that at home yeah
1: <laughs> i mean all right i mean whatever i you know i, I can't I, it's really hard for me to live in a world where this happens but okay <sighs>
0: um take a right. breath yes. take a breath <sighs> all right okay. so
1: i want to spotlight some people in big slumps and see if we can kind of learn a little you know about ourselves from it and okay. then you're going to do your spiritual slumps but okay you know when you when you told me about the topic the first thing that came to mind when when we talk about slumps is baseball
0: because Why?
1: baseball players go into hitting slumps
0: oh they do yeah
1: it's like a big thing oh, i didn't know baseball that. players in a slump so that's like the first thing that came. Is, to is that the mind. word
0: they use yes
1: that's the word they use
0: oh really and so, so you, so this is like growing up watching baseball, you go, like, oh, so and has been in a slump. How long yeah. do they last for?
1: I mean, I don't know the typical baseball yeah. slump. I mean, baseball is a game of where you have, and, and, and baseball is a game where you have to be accepting a failure mm. because let's say you go up to the plate 10 times in baseball and you get a hit three times, that's 30%, right? Three out of 10, 30%. Yeah. You're a Hall of Fame baseball player. Oh, really? So you have to accept that you're going to fail seven out of 10 times. Wow. And, uh, and you're a great player if you do that. Yeah. So, yeah, in baseball, you know, I don't know what the typical slump would be, but, like, if you have one hit in maybe, let's say, 15 at bats, yes. you're in a slump. Yeah. Okay. So Derek Jeter is the one I came up with. I don't know. Do you know Derek Jeter? He I've
0: heard of that before. I've heard that name. You know, famous. I think he was something with Mariah Carey or something. I think did they date or something? Yeah,
1: he, he, might he be. like
0: makes headlines.
1: New York Yankees. Yeah, he was big when like A Rod was big. Okay. Um, him and
0: I've heard his name before. A Rod
1: had a thing with J Lo together. When, no, that didn't. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, he's a hall of fame, hall of fame baseball player. Okay. Uh, captain of the New York Yankees. I don't. You know his colors? Man? He's got a he's big, purple, purple and purple.
0: um. He's, like, purple-blue, but he wears, like, inauthentic purple.
1: Okay. In I'm sorry, purple. I'm sorry,
0: I'm sorry. He's red-blue. Sorry. He's red-blue, but he wears inauthentic okay. purple.
1: Okay. All right, so anyway, he once went 0 for 32, meaning he came to the plate 32 times and did not get a hit. Okay. Okay, so that is really bad. That's, like, you're in a big, that's a big slump. Okay. Um, then the, the hit that came out of it, that he came out of the slump, was a home run. Oh. So he was one for thirty-three. Wow! Okay. Yeah, so he came out with a home run, and you know, he, the after every game you have like press conferences, and they they talk to you about it. And basically, he was talking about how you know it kept building. You know, it kept building and building. So every time he you know, it started out as maybe the first oh, the few times pressure. not getting a hit, the pressure started building. You know, and he even said when he hit the home run, he was shocked because he actually thought it would collide, the ball would collide with a bird, and then land in the outfielder's glove, and he wouldn't get the hit.
0: Like he's just that sure of his own failure. Right. right. So it's like
1: o- almost like every time you go up and you don't get that hit, you're it continually getting worse into that. Well, that's slump. reality shifting. Yeah.
0: Yeah, that's like when you are of a certain vibration and that vibration keeps coming to you.
1: Right. And then, you know, he was getting booed by the fans. Even <gasps> oh. the Yankee fans were booing him, you know. Oh. He, again, this, and we're talking about one of the greatest players of all time. Wow. Yeah. Uh and every time he said he got to the plate, there was more and more pressure, then he started changing things. He started changing how he swung the bat, he started changing how he, his legs were in the batter's box. Uh, and it really, you know, gets into your head, after, you know, to get into the, when you're in these slumps. So it was, it was just kind of interesting that it almost like, as you get further and further into it, you get deeper and, deeper and deeper into it. And it seems like it's harder and harder and harder to get out of it. Yes. So. That's um, an interesting
0: metaphor too. Yeah. You know. Yeah. I wonder what he did in his personal life as well. Right. I, I wonder, like what did his mindset shift or like, I, that I would kind assume of so. Yeah. yeah, it'd be
1: hard to find that out, but I but, mean he was kind of saying like it was always on his mind. Getting sure. that hit was always on his mind.
0: Like the obsession. And yeah. I think that's interesting. Like I think when we're in spiritual slumps, we do have an obsession with it, like wow, every day's the same or nothing's changing, or right. absolutely. Uh, that can hallmark it.
1: Yeah. I mean and the the good thing when you know, he actually got like a walk, which is not a hit, doesn't count you're still in a slump. And he actually, you know, it was kind of just like a little thing that gave him like a little bit of a glimmer of hope. Oh wow! So sometimes, like, like you know, I always say this too. Like, if if you want to get out of a slump, try doing like little things every day. You know, I, I've yeah. said this before. You know, little little things here can change maybe the, the the overall thinking. Yes. You know, so start little small things. It doesn't have you don't have to come out of the slump in you know, all one day, but. uh it was interesting. That is interesting. He hit a home run to come out with it, and
0: him. he's in the Hall of Fame. And, and, he's a and Hall he was Famer. booed by a stadium. Boo-
1: booed by a stadium of his own people, his own family. And this guy is World Series champion. Wow. You know, considered maybe the, one of the greatest players of all time. Yeah. So that you know, it happens. All right. Next one I have is Stephen King.
0: Ooh, Stephen King. King. Yeah. Uh
1: you you know his colors by chance?
0: He's um he's like a tricolor. Like when I oh. look at his picture, he's green and blue. Okay. But then some of his pictures he has purple in them. Oh. So, I feel like he can like be very I don't I don't even read his books, honestly. I feel like he can be very reclusive
1: yeah. and
0: then like come out say what he's got to say and then step back into it. Okay. So,
1: all right, now here's a guy. that's probably you know, if there was a Hall of Fame, he'd be in it. One of the most sure. known writers of all time, right? Some huge hits, blockbuster movies uh, from the books, and he's had you know what writers block. So that would be kind of like a slump for for someone of him, like him, right? Um, and it all the, the first time he had it, it was he decide, he wrote a novel, and he really had like some, I guess a fear of presenting it to the class. Um, it was called Sword in the Darkness. So this must have been like when he was in. Graduate school or younger. Okay, so he's not yeah.
0: known yet. I think he had a couple. He was somewhat known.
1: Somewhat known. I okay. you, probably the average person would not have known him at this time, but he couldn't present it to the class. And then after that happened, he basically had this four month period. He didn't write. He drank all the time. Uh, all he did was sit around and watch soap operas. <laughs>
0: That's so, hysterical. So here,
1: one of the greatest writers. I so of- relate to that. Yeah.
0: Like- <laughs> Yeah.
1: That's weird. I can relate to him. Yeah. I think a lot of people probably could. And this is, again, this is against Stephen King, you know? And I just wanted to read a quote that he said. Uh, he, he wrote this t- to the Washington Post in 2006. There may be stretches of weeks or months when it doesn't come at all. This is called writer's block. Some writers in the throes of writer's block think that their muses have died, but I don't think that happens often. I think what happens is that the writers themselves sew the edges of their clearing with poison bait to keep their muses away, often without knowing they're doing it. Does that make sense to you?
0: Well, I have to read it because sometimes when you read things to me...
1: Yeah, I think what happens is the writers themselves selves, sew the edges of their clearing with poison bait to keep their muses away often without knowing they're doing it. Okay, in so essence, doing you put yourself
0: in a, in a self-imposed slump. Right. Like it's a self-imposed slump. So they don't... So it's never... Like it's easy for us to blame it on external circumstances, but he's saying we do it to ourselves. Correct. Um, And it's interesting just with his colors, just how the purple comes in intermittently with him. Like maybe his bursts of creativity and he'll maybe ride that and use it. That's another thing I think... We don't have to work traditionally. Like when when it hits you, hit it back. When it doesn't, respect that and watch your soap operas. Right. Because I feel like yeah, you need your cocoon. so. So that's very interesting to me. Yeah,
1: it was a really cool quote. I thought.
0: Yeah, he does. He's not. He's not, he's not, he's not consistent. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and again, he, and a lot of this we're, we're doing to ourselves. Yes. You know, like even with Derek Jeter, he, he's in his own head. It's like it's a yeah. and the self-fulfilled prophecy that the ball's going to hit a bird. Yes. You know, you're not envisioning it anymore so and that's, it's very easy i mean again if these people could do it uh, who are at the top of their fields yeah then we definitely could and know. then the,
0: the similarity between the two of them so far is they probably expect the most out of themselves i also feel like it's an ego situation too because like we all have our egos and we tend to think we're the most important person yeah you know which we do that's just survival like we all do that so like if you're not you know, being as successful as you feel like you should be, that's it. The whole world's ending. But right. it doesn't end. The sun rises. We move on. Everybody else does their thing. Yeah.
1: Baby baby steps. Yes. Now sometimes this one is Pablo Picasso. Mm. Um you know would you have his colors?
0: Yeah, he is green and purple, but man, green he just he's got like some edginess to him. Yeah. I mean, some like really fiery I, I don't know anything about him except obviously like we all recognize his paintings, right? But I feel like he could get into very ragey moments and depressive moments because he has inauthentic red on him, and yeah. Uh, yeah, and inauthentic blue as well.
1: Yeah. So you you already hit the nail on the head with that one. Um, so in 1935, um, this was like I think before a lot of his big paintings came out. He he divorced from his first wife Olga. He divorced her because of her name, <laughs> <laughs> um, who took custody of his son paulo and then mm. he had a daughter Maya from his mistress Marie oh. at the same time. He sounds like so, a mess, <laughs> right? Total mess. You said he had the crazy. He feels like gonna, ragey and, and depressive yeah. at the same time. Yeah, and, and for a long time he refused to, you know, go into his studio. Mm. He wouldn't do any work. Um, he wouldn't even look at his own pictures, his drawings. He hated it all. Self rejection. Self rejection. But this is more brought on by a trauma, or maybe a purple bombs that he was throwing at the yeah. time uh you know wonder if pa- Pablo Caso would relate to a purple bomb but uh which is interesting They're a little bit different than the other two uh where this is like actually life things that are happening
0: life interferes life
1: interferes you know maybe there's a death in the family right you, you know maybe someone you
0: you're know, going through a divorce. divorce there's a custody divorce, battle right, yeah. yeah you're like you're in survival mode right and sometimes the things that you don't relate to I guess your creative outlets anymore or you don't relate to things that you used to relate to, but then you have to learn how to do them in a different way. Did he shift his styles after that? I wonder. Yeah. I don't,
1: again, I I don't really follow the art world, but I I think he did. I think he probably did. I wonder, yeah,
0: like you would have to, I have to do it, but I have to do it in a way that reflects the changes within me. So I think that's the other thing when you're kind of crawling out of a slump, the way that you do things aren't going to be the way you did things. Right. It's going to look different. It's going to shift. It's going to be different. And maybe that reflected in his art a bit.
1: Yeah. Interesting. All right. The next one I have is Winona Ryder. Okay, so she's an actress. She was famous in the 80s and 90s for movies like Beetlejuice, Shake, Shake, Sonora, you know, with (laughs) Dale. Yeah, she's
0: good, talented. Uh,
1: Edward Scissorhands. And then it kind of, you know, probably the success maybe went to her head. I don't know, but she fell apart. Oh. You know, she got arrested, I think, for shoplifting. I remember that. Uh, she used to do a lot of drugs. Mm. Uh, she didn 't want to act anymore. Yeah. She was done. She took a few years off. Everyone kept telling her that you can 't take years off in this business. you take one year off two years off you're done you're done you're, you're finished yeah uh, so this would be a huge slump um, because you know we do know that she makes a comeback thanks to Netflix. Uh, by the way, Netflix is the cure for any slump. Um, <laughs> it got most of the cast of Cobra Kai out of their slump. That's true. Ralph Macchio and uh, I, don't, I forgot the actor that plays Johnny. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Z- Z- William Zaba or something like okay. that. Okay. Um, so Netflix is a cure. You're, yeah, you're, is. you're in a slump. See if you can get a Netflix deal. Now she's DL. on Stranger Things. Now she's on Stranger yeah, Things. Yeah, she's so
0: good in it too.
1: Yeah, and now you know she's back on top again. Uh, we, we and we don't know personally, but um, we think so. What, what do you think? Of, what's her color? Well, she's indigo to, like, purple. Indigo purple. Yeah. Okay.
0: And, and I think like with the indigos, uh, you do need to take f- like a real far away um, journey from the spotlight you know, that, that push pull relationship with the purple and the indigo where the purple's like spotlight. I need to stay relevant. I should do this. And then she like, obviously did some purple bombing things to herself to, all right, guess nobody's going to hire me now. I got arrested for shoplifting or like whatever, got herself blacklisted. And it forced her to take the break that she probably needed all along, but couldn't maybe, I wonder if being a child actress, I wonder if she did have... I don't know personally, but I can see with her a feeling of isolation or that she would disappoint people if she wasn't the phenomenal actress that they all expected her to be. So she had to basically purple bomb her life to take the break that her indigo so needed. And look, and she came back in a really in a good way. I mean, I love her in Stranger Things. Yeah, she's, she was great. She's really um, relatable and she gets into it. She's a great actress. Yeah,
1: And the guy that played Rudy also made a huge comeback. Yes. You know, the best movie of all time, Rudy. And he, of course, he got killed by the, the uh, whatever the what do you call it? I, I forget, forget what now. they call it because yeah, yeah, we haven't watched, we it, in so watched so long. it so long. But he was in um. He was in a couple of things. Yeah. Yeah, he was in the Hobbit, 50 First Dates, The Hobbit. Oh yeah. Yeah. He yeah. A couple of things, but anyway, like we said, Netflix here sure is all slums. <laughs> it does. Just get yourself on Netflix, you're fine. All right, the next one is another actor. I actually asked Brianna the other day, who is your favorite? male celebrity Mm. and i was shocked that she told me this but she was in all seriousness she said uh neil patrick harris
0: neil patrick harris is amazing yeah
1: he played doogie hauser in the 90s uh and then crickets so did you ever watch doogie hauser
0: uh yes yeah Yeah. i watched that yeah but i was like a little i was a little young for it i think but i remember this popularity i think my parents watched it too. So,
1: yeah. For, for me, Doogie Hauser wasn't about the show, but he had a friend called Vinny <laughs> Delpino. And people would call me that in high school. They'd be like, oh, there's Vinny Delpino. You
0: did look like that.
1: Yeah. And we, I remember, uh, it was funny. And this is funny because also, I think I told the Bobs, did I tell the Bobs that I got on the podcast or the group? I can't remember. I forget. But, um, we went to, for our prom, after prom, we went to a comedy club. Mm-hmm. And you know, like how comedians like to, razz the audience and the audience like so i would i was razzing the uh the comedian oh
0: what what a surprise you were a heckler. i was a heckler right you're not like a mean heckler yeah
1: and then he could just remember him saying hey there's vinnie del pino in the audience and that was me
0: and you were like you're like one of those hecklers that when you get called out you're like this made my day yeah (laughs) he could have said anything to you you were like this is
1: great i mean i was hoping he would have said ralph macchio but he said (laughs) vinnie del pino that is funny but anyway there was nothing. Absolutely nothing, and this is what interests me about this one. In two thousand four, he made a cameo in Harold. Har- Harold and I never saw this movie. Harold and Kumar go to White Castle. Oh,
0: I remember that. You saw Harold that one? and Kumar. Uh-huh. Okay.
1: So he just makes his a little appearance. I don't, I don't even know what he did in there, but that got him going. Yes. So, and then from there, he got the, the role of Barney in How I Met Your Mother. Oh, she's which, hysterical. Which in. made it, made him explode again. Yes. So. That, that kind of goes back to what we were saying in the in the beginning where, you know, if you sometimes just do a little thing. You know, sometimes we've, if we're in a, a slump, you know, we'll just do these little things. And sometimes that makes like a crack and leads to, to other things. So, you know, sometimes, it, you know, they say, ah, you know, this is a little thing. I don't want to really do it. Eh. It's a
0: cameo. What is but this? Right. What is this movie? But right. he did it.
1: Right. You and know. then it
0: just kind of got his... The vibrate on them. If you guys want to watch anything, like, Brianna and I are obsessed with, Neil Patrick Harris did the 2013 <laughs> Disney World Christmas Parade. It's on YouTube. It is, like, the best thing you'll ever watch. Like, I don't personally feel like the Disney World Christmas Parade has been good since then. No, That was the last no, good one. No, it's good one. so good. Yeah. Really, do yourself a favor and watch that on YouTube. Yeah. Okay. You're welcome.
1: So, a little cameo leads to huge roles um yeah and but, obviously he's a
0: broadway star and broadway star i mean yeah, he's huge. just he's just i am- he's green and blue by oh he's the green way. and blue okay yeah, yeah. which is interesting because you'd think he'd be more purple but like he's i don't know i think he's like a really he's very present i feel like in his acting that's what i get from yeah. him he's very present in his acting and he commits 100 percent to it that's kind of like the green yeah. in him
1: and he he was really blue in the smurf movie yeah all right, well, all right, we won't go there. But all right, what about people that are still in the slump? Now, there definitely are, you know, cameos and Netflix calling you doesn't always come. Right. So I got people that are still in slump. And the first one I have is The Weather Girls and their hit in 1982. It's Raining Men. You know, that's they all. They never
0: had another hit after
1: that? No, that was their only hit. It's the Raining hits Men. men.
0: Alleluia. It's Raining Men, Hallelujah. Re- really?
1: Yeah, they tried. Oh. It's Snowing Men, that failed. It's
0: Hailing Men. <laughs>
1: That didn't work.
0: That is a hit at every wedding you've ever been to.
1: But every wedding you go to, it's <laughs> Raining Men, right? Top song. That's like
0: the Really? Yeah. Oh.
1: Yeah. Uh, one hit wonders. One hit wonders. You so, always
0: wonder. They're yeah. so good though.
1: Yeah. We got Katrina and the Waves, 1985, Walking on Sunshine. Okay. And they've been walking on clouds ever since.
0: That was it? That was like their only- That was their only hit. Yeah. I don't. I mean, I know we hear that one a lot. I don't- You know favorite. Okay.
1: All right, this one I was actually just singing it this morning. Uh, 1995, Deep Blue Something came out with Breakfast at Tiffany's.
0: Oh, that's a, I knew that was a one hit. That's wonder. a one hit wonder. But you put on the '90s station anywhere. That's the first you, you, song that comes like right. constantly.
1: Yeah, My, Breakfast at Tiffany's. You know, yeah, blah, blah, blah. and they are probably still eating Breakfast at Tiffany's because they just. They can't I feel get like I
0: read about them actually and like the lead singer like lost it or something yeah because he didn't want to sing it anymore <laughs> <laughs> he
1: just, like, they had a concert and like he just said all right play it again
0: that, they just that's the, thing. the same can song? you imagine like because like i think after one hit wonder you get signed up with you know we all have our community now that covid over is over hopefully they'll come back you know your right. community the, you know hey concert in the park or whatever yeah. and then like they always have like the headliner and it's like whatever that what's that group called again the 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 Breakfast at Tiffany's group. Like oh, uh,
1: Deep Blue Something. Yeah,
0: Deep Blue Something. And then, like, nobody knows who that is. And, like, known for Breakfast at Tiffany. So then you're like, oh, okay, I'll go. And then you don't know any of their other songs.
1: What What are these? Yeah, what are these? I've always wondered that. Like, if you're a band and you have, like, one hit or two hits, like, how do you fill out the set? Like, do you just fill it out with, like, covers or nonsense? No, I think or? you do
0: it. Nobody cares. Or you just
1: replay them over And then at and the
0: end... Probably people shout like. I think they. What I've noticed because I think I watched. I Counting Crows. We saw a Thursday in the Square in Buffalo a really long time ago, and I feel like they had more than one hit, but they played all these songs nobody knew, right? And then the last few songs were the ones everyone knew. Yeah. So they waited till the end so you wouldn't leave.
1: Okay. I also have Chumbawamba, 1997. (laughs) Tub thumping. I, I remember, get knocked down. I remember that. one. I get up again. Yes. I get knocked down. I get up again. What year was that? Which actually is really good for this episode. You're, you're a sub Yeah, slob. It's yeah slob. Slob. Get, that's why I picked that one. Uh, that was 1997. Okay. And I guess they just stayed down because
0: that was they, like a big they, high school. Song they got knocked for me. out. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, I put anything that Nick Lachey did. <laughs> he, I guess, he had to hit what's left of me. But Nick he's a per, he's a permanent slump. I mean, come on. You know, his highlight came when him and Jessica Simpson had a reality show. Yeah,
0: and, they were like the first reality couple, really. Yeah.
1: And, I mean, has he ever? I mean, I think he's in a slump. I don't know. He, he's probably, you know, whatever.
0: <laughs> he's probably financially very well off. Oh, yeah. And yeah. He's probably blowing he it out of the water. He doesn't need to do but, any of this stuff anymore. But, he was in yeah. like 98 Degrees. Remember that? Yeah. Oh, my God. You remember that? I mean, to me,
1: Nick Lachey is like slump. He All like right, says slump. <laughs> His name even says it Nickelish. I don't know.
0: Really I think he's big on social media and his wife oh, is too.
1: Yeah, he's got fake followers. All right. Okay. All right. Uh, Jennifer Gray. Nobody <gasps> Dirty puts dancing. baby again. Nobody puts baby in a corner. Yes. And what happened? What
0: you know. What, Wait, wasn't she in something else? Yeah. Oh, she was on Dancing with the Stars. Was she? Okay. Yes. That might
1: have tried to get her out of the slump. Yeah. Did you win?
0: I don't remember. No, back in the slump. I think she had like an accident and she had terrible back injury. I think she was in a car yeah. accident or something. Back
1: in the slump. Oh. So.
0: But, I mean, after you do Dirty Dancing, is anything better than that? No. no. Oh.
1: I mean, after, you you know, with one of our top all-time heroes of all time, Patrick Swayze. We love him. We love him. He's up there with Alex Holden, the guy that climbed <laughs> Yosemite, adding.
0: And that viral cat that <laughs> viral jumped cat. out of the seven-story window. Right.
1: <laughs> Those are my top three heroes. <laughs> no particular order. <sighs> I got Frodo Baggins. That oh, would be yeah. Elijah Wood. Okay. I mean, did he do anything after? But he Frodo? was in
0: Huck Finn and then Frodo. But wasn't he in something else? Okay, fine. Yeah. I mean, he might.
1: That might be I more think like typecast.
0: A lot of the people that were in the Lord of the Rings, you never saw them again.
1: Yeah. Well, except for Rudy, who you yeah. saw on Netflix. Okay. Yeah. But yeah.
0: Elijah
1: Wood, right? <laughs> Elijah Wood, and the last one I have is Harry Potter.
0: I was going to say that. Daniel one. Radcliffe. I was going to say it.
1: Yeah, that poor guy. He tried guy. some
0: movies, so he did try. Yeah. He tried some other movies, but I think I don't know once no. you're Harry Potter, it's just so yeah. hard yeah. to see you different.
1: Yeah. Oh. yeah. How do you do that? And you know, for people that are a little bit older, George Costanza from Seinfeld. You know.
0: He was in George, Pretty Woman before Seinfeld.
1: Before Seinfeld, but
0: I don't. And he was in the um, Curb Your Enthusiasm yeah. episode, yeah. a couple episodes. And he was
1: in Shallow Hal.
0: Oh, that's right. He had, he had the tail. Yes. Yeah. But. I mean, these are superficial. Yeah. Because we're, we're just saying, like, what now. if we think you're in a slump? Yeah. A, like All right. A movie slump.
1: We have a few ads to do, and then we'll get to the real stuff.
0: All right. Let's do it. Speaking of slumps, um, you know, sometimes you just need a little, like Scott said, you have to do something a little different to get out of it. And that thing can be therapy. And what is therapy? It's whatever you want it, whatever you need it to be, and, and BetterHelp lets you do it on your own terms. You can get tools to help you with motivation, depression, anxiety, battling temper, stress, dealing with insecurity in relationships or at work, whatever you need, just to talk things out with somebody who doesn't judge, who gets it, and who can give you some really constructive, helpful advice. It's time to stop being ashamed of just your normal human struggles that we all have and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. I absolutely love BetterHelp. It's helped me a lot. It's helped me, you know, just talking things out with somebody uh, just allows you so much insight and just positive, just that positive feeling you get after the session is over to try things differently or that you can do it or that it's going to be okay. That's, it's such a gift. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and know your oral listeners get 10% off their first month at betterhelp.com slash K-Y-A. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash K-Y-A. So many of you, I read, you're going through some fertility issues. It's on your mind. You don't know. You're wondering if you're doing everything you should be doing. Um, What if I told you you could get important fertility insight without going to the doctor or even leaving your house? Modern fertility makes that possible with easy at home fertility hormone testing. Modern Fertility was created for you because it's an easy and affordable way to test your fertility hormones at home with a simple finger prick. You can mail it back with a prepaid label and you'll get personalized results within 10 days. Traditional testing with your doctor, not only is it stressful to kind of create these appointments and go there and deal with it and Whatever you're feeling inside already can be very overwhelming and stressful, but it's it's and it can cost over a thousand dollars. But modern fertility lets you do all this from home and it's the same information and it's a hundred and fifty-nine dollars. It's a fraction of the price. And if you go to modernfertility.com slash KYA, you can get twenty dollars off your test. Also, if you have an HSA or an FSA, you can put those dollars towards Modern Fertility. You'll get insight into your hormone levels, how many eggs you have and other important fertility factors. The results go deep into what every hormone means and you can also talk one-on-one with a fertility nurse to just review your results and get options for next steps or just answer any pressing questions that are on your mind. If you want kids today or maybe one day in the future or you just are like me and you just want to know more about what's going on with your body, you can get some clinically sound info about yourself and you can then make the decision that's right for you. Right now, Modern Fertility is offering our listeners twenty dollars off the test when you go to modernfertility.com slash KYA. That means your test will cost $139 instead of the several hundred or even a thousand plus dollars it could cost at a doctor's office and it's all from home. Get twenty dollars off your fertility test when you go to modernfertility.com slash KYA. That's modernfertility.com slash KYA when we talk about slumps, just little steps, trying to do something new, engaging yourself in activities that are different from your norm. These are all things that can help you and Skillshare can help you with that. You know, my daughter is 12 and she uses Skillshare and a lot of her friends do too, actually. It's kind of getting popular in that younger community. And why? Because, you know, practice makes progress advancing towards an achievable goal with short lessons and hands-on projects. It's for everybody. And you can do something today that you couldn't do yesterday with classes designed for real life. And it's also incredibly affordable, especially when compared to in-person pricey classes and workshops. An annual subscription is less than $10 a a month. Right now, my daughter, um, Brianna, is doing lettering for self-expression where you create stunning handcrafted type. Like it's really cool. And that's with Ade Hoag. And it's just... She just likes to, she just props it up in her room, on her phone, and the classes are, you know, a few minutes each, like three, four, five minutes each. Um, The whole thing maybe is only an hour and a half or whatever. And at the end, she's, you know, every time you progress closer to where you want to be. It's just different and it's cool. And you too can do this. You can explore your creativity at Skillshare.com slash KYA and get a free, free, free trial of premium membership. That's Skillshare.com slash KYA. So let's talk about spiritual slumps. Sometimes in life, you're just going to find yourself in what I will call the slump, (laughs) the slump. Um, and if you're here at all listening to this, no doubt you've at some point felt it or you're currently feeling it even, it's like everything you can see as far as the eye can tell is just bleak. And you're in this point in life where it's just way too much to even think about. And the road ahead looks like miles long and the things to do to get out of this, moment in your life are just overwhelming to think about. And the thoughts get so piled up that they lump together to form just this negative blob of like, ugh. And it's totally low vibe. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's low vibe. And to avoid any toxic positivity, which we just hate around here. Yeah. Sometimes it's okay to be low vibe. It really is. It's okay. Sometimes, sometimes the moment calls for it depending on what you're going through for sure. And yeah, sometimes you're going to feel like a victim and you're like totally not doing the law of attraction at all today and you're just vibrating real low and the whole thing is just one big heap of slump. And that's a reality and you've probably been there or you're going to be there in life or it's happened. And, And sometimes, depending on what it is, there's no other way to be. I mean, just doing all the readings I do, I mean, I'll read somebody. It's like, yeah, you're in a slump. Like, it would be weird if you weren't dealing with a death, you know, of somebody or just a loss or a failure or something. You have to honor what you went through with a slump. But it doesn't feel good. Because, you know, another thing that can happen in the slump is that your ego basically has a field day with it, almost to the point of saturation. So your ego, we talk about this a lot on here, is that voice. It's that human part of you, and it likes you to stay the same. Its purpose is to keep you under the radar, and it uses a lot of fear and that ego logic to keep your head down in life and to keep your life mundane. And it likes you to stay simple. Stay slumpy. And the ways out your ego will give you of any kind of slump you're in can be really depressing. Like, oh, you know, I don't know. You're going to have to go back to that job you hate or do this that you don't like or da-da-da or it's just too long. You know, and and the ego gets real depressing. Um, But the longer you stay in the slump, this is interesting, the less power your ego has. Because it kind of begins to be overkill. Um, Depending what you've got going on, you know, your ego will basically come in so much, say so much negative things, abuse you so much. That voice in your head is just on repeat. And at some point you can feel so little about yourself or so depleted or so saturated or so run down, it almost becomes like flatlined and this is an ego death. And I can do a whole other episode about this if you all want. But for the sake of this episode, I'm going to keep it real simple, real easy. And ego death is where you come to terms so strongly with your own issues that you can basically sit across the table from them and all of a sudden they have zero power over you anymore. You basically bury yourself. You kill a part of yourself that used to control you. So let's say, for example, like you hate failure and you get fired from your job And they basically tell you, yep, it's because you failed. It's all on you. You stink. (laughs) This happened to you. Everyone knows. Everyone knows. And you have to sit, you know, you sit with it. You sit for it a while and a little while longer and all the thoughts, you know, come and come and come and your ego has that field day and you have to survive it. So you decide that one day it just has no power over you. Like you've heard everything you can hear about yourself from yourself And all of a sudden, you're like, okay, whatever, I failed. And the sunset and the sun rises day in, day out, and I live on. And all of a sudden, you killed it. You had an ego death. Failure, if that was your thing, isn't such a scary thing anymore. The person you thought you were based on is dead. And your ego basically had been hijacking your psyche all that time, was put to death. And you have to form new identities based on more true or authentic things about yourself. That's an, that's an ego death. And that only happens in a slump. It, it just, you get broken. It breaks you. And you have to survive it. So you do. And the only way, it's kind of like just digging down to the roots of something or I guess knocking down something to its foundation and building back up. That's an ego death. You just got to start from the, from the beginning. So in a slump, these ego deaths, they can pile up and who you were is completely challenged and who you are emerges and it's hard and it's messy and it's plain awful. It's like a rebirth, really, because you have to kill a part of yourself, which really isn't you, but sure as hell felt like you for a real long time and your whole life was built upon that and now it's gone. So a slump is a place where you sit for a while, you feel really awful about yourself to the point where you're like, okay, I have to face it. And when you do, you have to make some pretty big choices and to emerge, you're a different person. So that's what happens in a slump. So that's why they're uncomfortable, but they also yield a lot of change. I had a client who had to come to terms with the fact that her marriage was over She had kids, a house, bills, you know, a life, all of it built upon this marriage, a whole life. And, you know, he couldn't get it together and she couldn't lie to herself anymore. And she was like way triggered because this was her life growing up, her parents divorced. And now she felt like, oh my God, I'm doing that to my kids. And her mind, it was like this epic failure, this epic personal failure. She was an epic failure, And that fear, that fear that she was this horrible wife and mom and person and that her family was broken, all this stuff from her childhood, she was in the midst of dealing with it presently and the slump. There it is. And it was like day in, day out, dealing with lawyers and money and insurance and who gets the TV, you know, and kids' emotions and what's for dinner and eating out alone, all of it, all of it. And she had to get a job and she didn't like what she went to school for. She hadn't been working for a while. So it's like, do I go back to school? Do I go to this job I don't like? It's like stuck. And uh, just – all this new notions of how am I going to deal with money and who am I and stress and overwhelm. And she was just in there, you know, what do you do in a slump? You just, you end up in your sweatpants on the couch with like ice cream. There's like really not a lot to do except have all of this swirling around you, you know, and there she is without a relationship, a plan, a job, money, without feeling like one joy in her life. Uh, Then, like, her mom got sick. You know, she was, like, dealing with that, too. It was just a lot. Like, so she's struggling with her mom's fragility and just her own mortality. I mean, everything. And that's, of course, when her reading with me rolled around. So the reading that she signed up for way before all of this um, came right in the midst of all of this. And then she got, like, the in the slump reading, which is truly, I feel like, one of the best kinds. Because, you know, that's when your guides really came through and hers did to basically like, all right, you're ready to hear some truths. Like your, your skin, it's real thin and we can talk to you and you're going to hear it because you're ready to latch on to some stuff. Because that's the first thing that you have to realize in this lump, you get hard truth. And it, you never could have heard that truth before if you weren't in this, this spot. You have to be in that slump to hear it. You have to be so run down, so over it, so worn thin to actually let that truth in and not just in, but for it to be like relevant and resonate enough to prompt some like, fine. I absorb it. (laughs) I hear it. I absorb it. I can't distract from it. There's nowhere I can go. I've beaten myself down so much that, you know what? Yeah, fine. Let me hear it. Let me hear it. I need, some, I need a different truth. And when you're in the slump, that's a gift that the slump gives you, the ability to hear it. You know, when your life is going great, you can't hear any of that. It, it has to be in these slump times that, that you can. And man, she, my client, she got it big time from, from Spirit because one of the things that came through for her and her reading from her guides was her needing to stop trying to control her life by way of controlling other people. That her life was not dependent on the people's emotions around her. It was dependent on her. And her whole childhood, her her happiness was dependent on mom and dad. And, you know, based on what their day was like, her day was going to be like. And then she married someone with the same kind of issues based on what his day was like, her family's day would be like. And her role was to mitigate all their emotions in order to have a good day, a good life, or not. And then all of a sudden, she's doing it to her kids too. Their days have to be a certain way. So her day can be a certain way. And in this slump, she had to sit there with her own feelings, as real as they were to her and all their feelings too. And she had to let everyone feel whatever they felt herself included. And she had to scrape her way out of this. She had to take control over her own empath skills in order to stand on her own two feet, take responsibility for her own emotions and let others have theirs and see just that link in that pattern. And whether, you know, she feels their feelings or not, it's not always her job to fix everyone. And that there's zero connection between her having a good day and others having a bad one. And realizing what that connection is and where it actually comes from versus its validity in her life. You know, and and in these times, little truths like that can permeate one another times they cannot. I hear a lot of times people come to this podcast in a slump. And they hear things that they needed to hear. And, and in other times, they didn't hear them. Or I don't know if you've ever, like, read a book, like, 10 years ago, and then you read it again, and it, like, hits different. You're like, ooh. Because you're in a different place, you know? Your skin's a little thinner where it needs to be for you to actually, like, hear things. Places and times in your, you know, timing's everything. And when truth hits and timing's right, major change can, can spark. It's a catalyst. So a slump can be a catalyst for you a catalyst for major change. So what do you do when you feel like you're at a rock bottom and there's no way to dig out? You're in the slump. What do you do? Let's just be honest. What do you do? The first thing, you got to thank the moment. Yeah, that's hard. (laughs) Being stuck is necessary. It's natural. It's part of life. In our culture, we want to fast track it. And listen, there is, just to bring the mental health spotlight into this, Some people live their lives in a slump. Some people, it's chemical and you need help for that. And it's not, it's not always a just you thing to get out of it. I know personally when I had postpartum depression after my first one, I felt like I was an island. And the only one that could swim out to me was my therapist. (laughs) So sometimes you just gotta, you gotta go somewhere and let people swim out to you. So this doesn't mean this is a just you thing. So definitely consider that, consider help, consider therapy, consider professional help if that's what you need, nothing wrong with that. But in our culture, it is true. There's a lot of toxic positivity. Think bigger, think better, get better, be better, be happy, you know. Um, It's okay. It's okay to sit in it because the point is to get the point, (laughs) And, and it is true. The quicker you get the point, the quicker you can move on. That's true. So you kind of want it. To, but you have to sit in it authentically to get the point. And that's going to take some time. And that might take some work, too, in terms of therapy or just, you know, whatever you have to do, depending on what you're going through. I had a reading with a mom. And, and it, like, there's big things that can happen. There's little things, too. You know what I mean? So, like, the slump is cross-situational. <laughs> I had a reading with a mom totally in like what I like to call the mom zone, okay? Little kids, busy husband, no job right now. She's a stay-at-home mom. Feeling like every day was like the same and she was feeling really stuck, really in that slump. And then almost guilty, like, oh, I shouldn't feel slumpy. I should feel happy. You know, that's like the worst when you start getting mad at yourself for being in the, in the slump. It's like, it's okay. You can be in the slump. It's okay. That's the other thing. You know, it's okay to feel... Whatever it is you feel. It's actually the most low vibe to go deny your own feelings to yourself. It's authentic to own it. It's a higher vibe to own it when you're feeling low vibe. Does that make sense? So own it. But the whole thing is that sometimes slumps are for a purpose. So, you know, as I always say to those in the mom zone, you know, there, it is a time for growth and thinking and like, okay, you know, who am I? A lot of stuff goes down in these mom's own times, these you know, which can also be slumpy times or just times when you just are stuck. A lot of stuff comes in at that time. And and it's not something that can be measured. That's the other thing. You know, I think we're surrounded in our culture, like, you know, you're on Instagram, so-and-so just completed a marathon, so-and-so just you know, passed their bar exam. Someone so just had a baby. Someone so just got engaged. Someone so just took their dream vacation. Like, okay, these are all, these are all ways to measure success in life, right? Well, in the slump, (laughs) measuring success is like maybe one day you just have a realization like, oh my gosh, I've been trying to control other people's feelings because I'm so controlled by my own ability to feel them. Okay, there's no award for that. I guess you could make an Instagram post about that. No one's really going to like understand it. You know, a lot of these little amazing accomplishments that happen in the slump are your accomplishments that other people aren't going to see or be able to measure. They're not measurable in our society. But man, they're big ones. So you're going to have to give yourself pats on the back during it too. Um, Another thing to do when you're in the slump, give it up to the slump. (laughs) <laughs> give it up, surrender, embrace it. Resisting it causes so much anxiety. Denial causes so much stress. You know, you can talk about it to other people. Honestly, when they ask you how you are, totally freak them out. Give them a moment. If they're really asking, give them a the real answer. People people get it, who get it? Um, you, you can feel depression, you can feel sadness, you can own it. Nothing wrong with any of that. So like, give it up, give it up to that moment for yourself. Um, another way is to find a parallel way to get movement going on again in your life. Remove logic, follow your soul, fun, passion. So for example, you hate your job, but you have no outs right now. Okay. Join a book club. That makes no sense, Right. Well, actually, it makes all the sense. When you can't find movement in the place the issue is in, just remove yourself and find movement elsewhere. If you can't fix one part of your life and you feel stuck or struggled or slumpy there, all right, do something else. Completely different. doesn't mean you're like quitting your job right now. It just means I joined a book club or like whatever that is for you. You need a parallel move to get movement going again. There is this need to create passion in your life. It's your soul's calling. And I'm going to tell you something. Spirit works in zigzags, not in linear fashion. You're not in a good relationship? Okay. Take those voice lessons you've been thinking about. Feel like you have no friends and never get invited out to something? Okay. Instead of going out, let's join an online group. I'm amazed with the connections I'm seeing happening over on the Mystic Michaela Spiritual Family page. Little groups of friends, people making lifelong, lifelong connections, true friends. And they live in all different places. you know, sometimes our friend, you know, sometimes it's not going to look the way it's, quote, "supposed to, quote." It's going to look a way that works for you. So you've got to kind of think outside the box, think differently. Um, you know, feeling really sad, you lost somebody, take up calligraphy. Like I can just, just do something totally odd, opposite, fun. It's amazing how these zigzags can move you out of the slump and also bring you really true opportunities and true joy and just truth, just little moments. I had a client and uh, just the calligraphy thing, that's the thing. Like she, um, she lost her mom. She's just really, really sad. She's really sad. Nothing was happy. And she did. She started doing calligraphy. She got all the pens and she took some classes. And I don't know, she was doing like, you know, envelopes for weddings. It just made her, I don't know, made her feel something else than sad. It kind of moved her out of that slump. Read. Another way you can do is like read, read books, throw yourself in different perspectives. You know, we're the only ones living in our heads And we can get a little egocentric about it. We forget. Like, it's all about us and our own storyline. But do you know that no one, and this is supposed to be nice, so just listen to me here. No one thinks about you as much as you think about you. That's the truth. Me too. No one thinks about me as much as I think about me, okay? The ego wants you to think that, like, whatever, your divorce, your job loss, your failure, your slump, whatever it is, you know, the 10 pounds you gained, whatever, is the most talked about thing on everyone's mind. Even when this stuff happens to the, like, influencers we follow, like, eventually people stop talking about it. You know what I mean? Like, so for us, it will, it shall be the same. So take that and work with it and understand it perspective and then put yourself in different worlds. Like, read a series of books. When I was in a particularly big slump, when I think, how old was my littlest? My littlest was like one, I want to say. I read all the Game of Thrones books before it was a series. Okay. Like I'm going to, I'm totally nerded out. I read all the Game of Thrones books. Did I notice my life was really sad and stuck? Yeah. But more than that, I was too upset about the death of Ned Stark and it was a lovely distraction. And you too can do that. Just throw yourself in a different world um, or throw yourself into something really difficult. I find that when I'm slumping hard, it's the best time to do something I usually hate to do. So the thing with the slump is like nothing hurts more than that. Like you got broken up with real bad or somebody died or you lost your job or you're just feeling out of sorts for some reason. You know, do the thing that you normally avoid, but you know you have to do anyway. So it's like it is a great time to return to school sometimes or just to complete some awful but necessary project in your life. I had a client. She was in a huge slump and she's green and blue. And one day her husband came home and like opened the front door. And then there was basically like like an interior wall was missing. And she just one day decided to start her own self home renovation. Now she knew how to do most of this stuff. You know, she wasn't like a professional, but she knew how to do this. So don't try this at home unless you have some skills there. But like she did understand that kind of stuff. But what had happened was she had just had her fourth miscarriage and... She was sad, you know, and she decided that she was going to basically uh, replace the floors. She made all the, she got lifted all the carpet, did her own hardwood, never knew how to do it, kind of self-taught herself with, she had like rudimentary skills, but kind of just threw herself into it. And, you know, she learned how to drywall and, you know, listen, the house looks great now. And most of her slump, she spent renovating the house like vigorously. Now she does have a baby now, but it was a journey for her and they had to do some different things to get to that point. They had to make some different choices to, to get to baby, baby land. Would she have come to those conclusions and place she had to get to without the slump? Who knows? Maybe she wouldn't have. She had many a revelation during that time period. And when she was working on that awful, awful task that her pain fueled, she felt clearer somehow. So you can throw yourself into things that can help too. Another thing you can do is write. Write, journal, document it put it all on paper. What's the best music? Seriously, the best albums? Listening to like Olivia Rodrigo right now. And I know I might feel old for that, but it's so good. And you know, she wrote it in some sort of awful slump, man, that's good music, you know? So write, write it down, write down your pain. It's interesting to listen to or hear or write, read back later, for uh, inspirational purposes, it's important to know where you've been. You know, sometimes our hands have to get dirty because our life is dirty and you have to get up in it to understand it. The slump is a dirty place, it's real. So, when I talk about the slump, like it sucks and no one can lie to you about that. It's hard, it's messy, it's awful, it takes time, but it's real. It's something we tend to want to push past with quick fixes, but sitting in it, stewing in it, it's necessary. And it will pass by quietly and slowly and gradually. And one day you look back and it's gone and you're going to have to give thanks to it. Because when you look back to those times in your life, what did those slumps teach you? What did they help you to understand and where are you now because of them? Hey, Scotty. Hey. So let's talk about some Mystic Michaela spiritual family members who are currently undergoing a slump of their own.
1: Okay. So we we put this on the, the Facebook group page and we did get a lot of responses. And there's, you know, you know, a lot of things that are going on in people's lives, a lot of tough things and that, you know, that goes kind of back to, some you know, what we were talking about earlier with, you know, if there's like a death in the family or illness or things like that. But we, we, we choose, we you know, we read through them all and, and we just picked a few out to kind of get the gist. Um, some people, you know, we, we asked them to send a picture with it and, you know, if they didn't know their colors and we'll, we'll do that as well with those people. All right, so the first one we have is uh, Kristen T. And she writes, honestly, me right now. My ex and I broke up just as COVID began to get serious last year. In one week, I lost the man I loved, my home, and my temporary job. This has been the hardest year of my life. I have since moved back in with my parents and been forced to work from home, making less money than normal. normally would be. Being a dance teacher on Zoom is crazy. Yes, I could imagine that. My granddad passed away earlier this year. My cat died in February, oh. and I had to put down... His sister yesterday. Oh. Trying to stay positive over here, but can't help but think I'm in a huge slump and I need a life change. I've been pleasantly surprised at guessing others' auras, but I am at a complete loss of what mine is. Help and Yeah, I mean that's a lot to go through. I mean that yeah. would put that would put anyone in a slump. Yeah, it's
0: just like a lot going on. There's just a
1: lot going on. Yeah. You you need to be in a slump. If you weren't in a slump, there'd probably be something wrong with you.
0: Well, um, Kristen, you're yellow blue, but you do wear inauthentic yellow. When I look at your picture, which to me just means like, when we're talking about like doing things differently, you know, yeah. like, listen, like life's happening and it's, it's coming at her hard, but I feel like her boundaries are maybe different than what they should be or something. Yeah. So with her, I can see her being like, oh, this is what it should look like, or oh, other people do it this way. I should do it this way. And it can feel very isolating. And then sometimes I, I, I just get this on her, but I feel like a lot of people can relate like the until thing, like, oh, I can't do the things i want until right. these things are figured out or until this stuff stops happening or until and it's like how about i do it anyways and it's like whatever it looks like it'll look like that you yeah. know but um but that's that's a lot to go yeah i mean that's to, to deal with a
1: lot to deal with especially like when you moved time. back
0: home remember when you moved back home
1: oh that was the biggest slump of my life <laughs> i was bagging leaves <laughs> for a dollar a bag
0: we talked about yeah no we
1: talked about this i mean yeah i don't even want to go back to, to that you know i Barely talking, I was like <laughs> laying on a couch and doing I, strange things and what yeah we're not going to get into that, but uh you know it's hard right. it's hard it's so what was uh, what was what are Kristen's uh, true colors or authentic colors? purple blue she's a purple blue, yeah, okay, all right, next one, you know, just because we did Derek year in the beginning, I thought this would fit in with the with the baseball theme, so amanda B writes sports, I remember when I played, I would get into slumps. And would get so down on myself until I like, could pull myself out of it. Now, with a six-year-old son on Easton who plays baseball, is in a bit of a hitting slump or a stump, as he calls it.
0: That's cute. That's so
1: cute. I have all these same feelings like it's myself. Okay, so I'm in a <laughs> stump. I have all these same feelings like i like it's myself in that slump all over again. Sure. Hopefully, he can pull himself out of it, and I can be supportive and help him out of it, just like my mom and dad did. Oh, so. that's so sweet. He's a six-year-old playing baseball. He's hitting slump. He's over for 32, yeah. like Derek Jeter. He's waiting for that home run. <laughs> Mom's feeling like, you know, it's her again. And what's going on there?
0: Well, when I look at her little, like when I look at Easton, he's very blue. Yeah. And he wants his mommy to be happy. Aww. And, you know, baseball for him, it's like, yeah, he wants to do well. And yeah, he, he can be competitive. And yeah, all that stuff. But also, You know, he might be in it for the ice cream after just as much as getting (laughs) out of the thump. I love that. (laughs) Amanda, she's purple-yellow. You know, she's, like, very – she's a hard worker. Yeah. And, you know, she wants the best for herself, and that's how she relates to being happy, you know, like challenges, meeting the challenges, getting to the next challenge, you know, jumping from challenge to challenge. I I talk about this in the kids' episode, too. Sometimes when our kids go through things – we do, too, because it hits a trigger. Like, yeah. she's very vulnerably saying, like, hey, that happened to me, and now I feel the same. Um, yeah, I think that in this moment, this trigger, this this stump and all that, this is a moment for her to confront herself and, like, what she went through in that time and any unhealed wounds from that and how it connects to present moments, too. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, they have a cute little Aww. connection. And, and-,
1: and Easton might really, as a blue, he might really be feeling that that slump, maybe, And can't explain. He could be feeling mom's stuff too. Oh, for sure. Stuff too. Yeah. Yeah, I
0: think kids feel our stuff, especially more like invested, and and we're healthy about it because like you want that balance between like okay, like I want you to do your best versus anything else. But I feel like you know he's so blue. Yeah. So he could feel both.
1: All right, Easton, we're pulling for you in your next game. (laughs) Get out of that slump. You're gonna be the next Derek Jeter. Yeah. All right, Rebecca A. writes, my biggest slump consistently ongoing, it involves my career slash path. I struggle feeling fulfilled working jobs that don't directly help people or make a difference in the world. I throw purple bombs and start from scratch every few years when I had enough of feeling like a number and like I'm um, contributing to a society based out of ego and greed. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. The only way for me to escape when I feel like I'm drowning is to explode my life forcing, explode my life forcing me to start anew. I still haven't found my passion slash calling, but hope to one day make enough for a living to start a nonprofit kitty slash animal rescue. It's a start, at least. MM quickly confirmed me as a crystal star seed on Instagram a while back.
0: Yeah, and she and is. Yeah, like... so that could that
1: could be really tough.
0: Uh, Starseeds are interesting. I probably need to do a part two yes. on Starseeds. I, I de- we definitely do. <laughs> so I won't get into it too deep. But I think a lot of us empaths can uh, can relate to the Starseed thing. It's just they have it kind of a little bit more scientific or logical in the whole, if I'm not contributing to society, I just cannot. And and they don't they don't necessarily want to be part, like have a million friends or like that, but they definitely want to contribute. So it's kind of like an isolation plus a need to give back and, and uh Yeah. So when I look at Rebecca, I just get this feeling that it's okay to actually start anew and start fresh because the way that she does it, it's like shedding skins. So some animals shed skins, like the skin doesn't grow with them. They have to slough it off and start over. And that's what I get on Rebecca. And that's okay. You know, not everybody grows grows gradually and then it incorporates some people it's like a dirty just burn it all like she said take it off and just start raw and fresh and that's just her process and maybe just accepting it as something that and and articulating and speaking it to more speaking more to it might help her go through it
1: yeah i mean do do and i know there's not many star seeds it's kind of rare is that does that Do they tend to go into more slumps and other people? Yeah, they get stuck
0: longer, but then when they change, it's more radical. Okay. Yeah, they'll get stuck for a longer amount of time, and then when they change, it looks a little bit, and nobody can relate. That's the other thing. I think, like, starseeds have a hard time with other people relating to them. The people that can relate to them are, like, very deeply sensitive empaths, if anybody. So um, because they just will stay kind of stuck for a while, they they can be very isolated about it, and then all of a sudden they Mm. are a whole new person. With a whole new outlook, a whole new look sometimes even. Yeah. Oh, pretty cool. Yeah, they're cool.
1: All right. Samantha K. writes, Oh boy, I'm usually slumping in one area of my life or another, sometimes simultaneously. That's always good for the self-esteem. I think that was... Do you want me to right? read, it, read it for you? No, I can do it. It, it. Of course, I've had the stagnant relationship or the job quarter life crisis, so I'm going to be vulnerable here and talk about my sexuality. Oh, that's good. The slumping of my sexuality. It's always been rather slumpy, to be frank. We got, I love how they're using these words, slumpy. We got Yeah, I like that. The, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I always thought it would grow out of that as I get older. Nope, still here in all its slumpy, unfulfilled glory. Sex is just incredibly difficult for me in general. It hardly seems worth the effort most of the time since even if it is a nice and, em- nice and emotional, I still can't get off. This is not a partner problem. It's me, I assure you. I suppose some guidance on how to be able to focus on yourself, especially when you're an empath and a giver, would be nice. I dream of a sexual awakening that transcends traditional norms of beauty and sex appeal. I want it to feel like it's an integral part of who I am, but I just feel like an imposter in my own body right now. Help, please. And here is a picture of Samantha.
0: Okay. Okay. So when I look at Samantha's picture, you know sometimes slumps in the sexual department are sometimes a thing that we think the slump is about. It really isn't. It's about something else. It's just that's like a place where the context is perfect for the issue, the real issue to try. It's trying to make itself known. And when I look at Samantha, I see purple and I see like an indigo color, but I see this like yellow inauthentic yellow that's just like going in and I get there's this knee-jerk reaction towards falling losing control falling into a space where you're having fun and all the places you need to be in to have a nice sexual relationship with somebody I feel like that's extremely difficult for her because Won the yellow, but why is the yellow there? Like, why is there an inauthentic color there that the ego stuck there to create some sort of boundary between her and her kind of like just losing herself in the moment? There's something with losing herself in the moment that feels like a trigger from the past. So I just get that. And I wonder if it's coming up, Samantha, in other ways in life where you have a hard time sometimes connecting in whatever moment you're in. You know, if if it feels like you have to lose a little bit of control or be a little... um, free falling. So that's what I get from there. But I'm really happy that you shared that because I feel like a lot of women go through that. A lot of us go through that. And sometimes we go through it just intermittently. Um, And sometimes like she said, it's something that she's like, is this who I am? Am I just not meant to enjoy that part of my life? And that's when you have to try new things, you know, like let's try new things. Let's try different stuff where we feel, you know, safe or or yeah. you got to go there yeah yeah all right and the last one
1: uh leanne c she's in one of our um, mm discussion groups i picked this one because a lot of the people did you know it really touched our hearts when we read them that a lot of people wrote that uh kya is the thing that got them out of the slump Aww. our podcast that's incredible Aww. that really is touching that so many people wrote that we were able to do that, and that is fantastic. That's what it, we wanted
0: that's to do. That's what we wanted to do. That's so what we wanted to do. Yeah. That basically just made my life. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, a lot of people wrote that. So, I, I picked Leanne, you know, uh, I think she was a good representation of that. So, I'll just read hers, and that will end with this one. So, about six months ago, I was anxious, down on life, and just going through the motions. I was working as a nurse at an office that I wasn't connecting with on an emotional level. The pandemic didn't help any of this. I went away on a girl's trip with my best friends. Which planned months in advance, so I was really looking forward to it. Got COVID as a result, <laughs> but while there, one of my friends told me about this podcast she listened to that had this aura reader as a guest. That was Girls Gotta Eat. Okay. She explained to me so when you were guest on Girls Gotta Eat. Yeah. She explained to me how our one friend is so yellow, and dude, she is. So on the ride home, I listened to it, and boom, I was hooked. I needed to figure out my aura, so I began listening to KYA. It has been a life-changing six months later, and I'm getting a new job working with pediatrics. My relationship with my husband has improved immensely, and my ability to connect with myself and gain better understanding of others has grown beyond words. I owe my spiritual awakening to MM and colors. You owe
0: it to yourself. And you
1: owe it to yourself. Man,
0: that's who you owe it to. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you, like, especially during that pandemic slump, that's how, but you, you all helped us (laughs) because we were in the same boat as you like okay well let's talk about the podcast this week how can we make it interesting what can we do I mean that gave us a lot of like all right how can we connect with people so it was mutual that's for sure definitely um but yeah Leanne's indigo and purple
1: indigo and purple yeah Yeah,
0: and just I think feeling stuck in a job or going through the motions or not feeling like sometimes you got to change the filter (laughs) <laughs> and it sounds like that's what she did she changed yeah. the filter that's, on her life
1: yeah and and that's great And I, I do want to give a huge shout out to uh ashley and reina from girls gotta eat they brought yes. so many of you to us oh my god we are so grateful for them i love them you know if you ever dm them or uh, please tell them we're you know i know you talk to i think you talk to ashley i do a lot but please tell them how thankful we are that they brought a lot of us uh, Brought a lot of you to us yeah and uh, we we really are appreciative of it and we're we're so happy that k way does that for you gets you out of the slump and uh that's, that's fantastic,
0: yeah. All right, guys, this podcast is for you and about you, and thanks for spending some time with us today. Take care. If you want to be the most interesting person at the cocktail party, well, hop on over and listen to the Brain Candy Podcast. Our award-winning content will have you laughing while you're learning. We read all the best articles, books, and studies, and keep up with new TV shows, documentaries, and pop culture, and then we cram it all into two shows a week. Conspiracy theories, cannibal rabbits, unsolved mysteries, the history of the Walkman. There's something for everyone the Brain Candy Podcast. Find our link in the show notes or simply search for the Brain Candy Podcast on your podcast app.